I was like, oh my God, I'm autistic. Like I knew, I knew before I went in to get my assessment, I was like, there's no way that I'm not because I literally ticked every single box so much so that uh, even still to this day, like like years later, I think it's like five years now later, I'm still discovering stuff about myself. Hello and welcome to This Is 8 CD. My name is Jerry Scullion and I'm a designer, educator and the host of This Is 8 CD based in the wonderful city of Dublin, Ireland. Now our goal here is to have conversations that inspire and help move the dial forward for organisations to become more human-centred in their approach to solving complex business and societal problems. In this episode, I speak with Aoife Dooley, one of Ireland's most talented illustrators. Now we connected several years ago at an event where we were both speaking at locally in Dublin and stayed in touch afterwards. Eve has created several beautiful children's books over the last decade, many of which have been shortlisted for best children's books each time in Ireland and probably internationally. We speak about Aoife's journey of self-discovery a number of years ago that led to Aoife's finding out that they were autistic, what this meant to her, and we speak about Aoife's own creative process and how they approach idea generation and generally find out about what makes Aoife tick. Eve is a powerhouse. It's got a wonderful store. For anyone who watches uh, any of the videos that I've created recently on LinkedIn, you'll notice that there's a print in the background, Bleeding Deadly, which is a very famous Irish phrase. And that was created by Aoife as well. So you can have a check out on that as well. And if you really like what we're doing at This Is 8 CD, just hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you're listening. And if you really like what we're doing, you can go one better by becoming a patron where you get an ad-free stream of the podcast for as little as €1.66 per month month and you get a shout out as thanks there's other plans there we can get exclusive items too and literally all the money goes towards editing hosting and maintaining our website which is now a repository for human center design goodness with over 250 episodes it's a great episode let's jump straight in Aoife Dooley I am delighted to welcome you to this is 8CD how's it going good good thanks for having me on no worries we've been uh we, we first met I was trying to remember there earlier on about three or four years ago. Um, yeah. We did a talk together out in Blanchardstown, which is a part of Dublin for anyone who's not familiar with, with Ireland. But um, I'm delighted to have you here. Like as, as you can probably see from my orders over Christmas time, I'm a fan and I was a fan of your work when I first met you. Uh, and I bought a bunch of stuff for my, my wife um, over Christmas because you've got a, you've got a fantastic store now at the moment but anyway we're going to come back to that how do you describe what you do Aoife I don't I don't think I have one word to describe what I do but I think the main thing that I do do is draw so I'll be drawn uh, yeah. describe it I don't that's a hard question describe what you do because you, you do a few things you're a stand-up I, comedian as well I mean I do a few things so like when people like ask me like oh, what do you do I can't ever like narrow it down because I like it could change in the next couple of months but yeah. um, at the moment um, I'm not doing stand-up, but I want to get back into it. So I have been writing new material. So I, I do do stand-up as well. Um, I, I write and illustrate books. Um, mm-hmm. I illustrate for different campaigns for ad agencies. I kind of just do a, a mix of different things now. I'm trying to think what else. Um, I wouldn't say I, I studied graphic design, but I wouldn't say that I do anything in graphic design where I've done like a few logos. But I think illustration is kind of like the main thing that I do out of everything now. It's funny because I would say that you're an illustrator and uh, a graphic artist is how I would probably yeah. describe what you do. But you're you're also very humble in how you describe yourself there because you're very successful 
in what you do in terms of the output. Like you've written several books for the children market in the last couple of years. Where did this come from? Who are you writing for? Are you writing um, to your to your child like self, or, or are you writing for for someone in specific? It's funny because when I was a kid, I used to make my own books from notebooks or like those ring kind of like, you know, the fancier yeah. notebooks that you used to be able to get in Eason's. I used to get kind of like notebooks like that and make my own books, whether it was like illustrations or collages or I used to just write my mm. own stories and drawings to go with them. So it was kind of like, it wasn't when I was a kid, like, oh, this is what I want to do because I didn't think that like someone like me could do something like that. So it was never like, oh, this is what I'm going to do when I grow up because mm. I never really thought about it that way. So only as I got yeah. older then, I kind of got into it. And the, the first few books I'd done, the first books I'd done were um, based around a character I created in the area I'm from, so Kulak. And uh, mm. there was the first book, How to Be Massive, and then the second book, How to Deal with Poxes on a Daily Basis. So they were kind of just humor books. And I don't really know what the age group for that is. It, it's actually funny because I would have thought that it was more mm. adults because it was very kind of like, you know, very kind of like rude. And, you know, like the, mm. you'd be reading it and you let's just say you wouldn't be reading it on the bus or anything now because like, you'd be like, oh, what yeah. the hell? But uh, yeah. in saying that, though, I met, I never forget, um, I don't know if you know, Lynn Ruan, uh, she she messaged me one day. Yeah, she's yeah, like, the, the politician. Yeah, yeah. She's like, Eva, do you know? She's like, you know, my daughter and her friends are watching uh, that animation that you get sleepover and it kind of it just made me realize like uh because they were about like 12 maybe 13 i think they were probably 12 and it made me realize it's like you know when you were a kid and you used to watch south park but you knew you probably yeah. weren't allowed to watch south park but there was cursing in it and all so yeah. i realized that that age group was probably the one that was like mm-hmm. most uh focused on it and like really enjoyed it so that's kind of where it started but um that kind it was of a tv about, show wasn't it it was an animated TV series after the, the books came out. So yeah, it kind of um it kind of went all over the place that did, but it started out as a Facebook page initially. Um and it was kind of almost like a blog with just illustrations so I'd post every day. And then there was an article written on it in the I was gonna say the New York Times, what are we talking about? Uh, the Irish Times. And yeah. uh, basically it, it just kind of blew up from there. It just kind of went places that I didn't ever anticipate it to go well, not at that yeah. time anyway because I was still in college I hadn't graduated yet so and um so that's kind of how my yeah. book started I think you said there a few minutes ago like I didn't think someone like me could ever write a book like this mm. do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that what you meant um by someone like me um well I suppose when I was in school I wasn't really kind of um at that age like I didn't have a lot of confidence and I didn't have a lot of confidence because a lot of the adults around me didn't mm. understand me and they just kind of put me down as being stupid or, or I was a bit slow because I, I couldn't keep up with the class so I think when you're younger you kind of internalize that because you're not like stupid you know what the adults are saying or what they're trying to say or like what other kids in your class are saying so I just never thought that I would be able to do something like that because I wasn't good at writing. I wasn't good at spelling or I wasn't kind of, do you know, that kind of way. Um, so to me, that was like in a whole other world beyond mine that I thought that I'd never reach. So it kind of, it's kind of crazy, actually. But, yeah, it's kind of, I've heard yeah. that story from many people who um, they were, you know, extremely talented in a certain area and schooling just wasn't able to cope with it because you were you were playing outside of the lines probably a little bit and yeah. me- metaphorically speaking as well when you're when you're <laughs> an illustrator so what do you feel the the fact that 
or did did the fact that the schooling wasn't able to direct you actually contributed to your success did it give a fire inside you to to prove them wrong how did you handle that no it, it's it's really funny so mm. I, I, it wasn't to prove wasn't to prove my school wrong or my teachers wrong I don't think that fire actually lit up inside like I, I always had those talents there where I love to draw where I love to write and they were always there and I, I done like three years in Colossia Dulig and I was kind of halfway through um, my degree in DIT at the time I think it's called TU Dublin now but it's a uh, it was DIT when I was there and I was about halfway through I was in my second no, I was in my third year I think it was and or second year and I had got in on advanced entry and I, I kind of was just settling in and my mom had died suddenly while I was in college and that was probably one of the most horrific things that ever happened to me and I think that's what actually lit the fire underneath me because I didn't want to grieve I didn't want to know about it and I just jumped into my work and that's when everything kind of really started happening so I think that's actually what did it which is yeah sorry to hear about that what year was that that was 10 years ago now it was 2013 yeah 2013 you've been extremely busy then for 10 years because (laughs) you know in in my notes here I mentioned books and shop and prints and then you just casually mentioned TV series in there as well. And you've also been nominated for Children's Book of the Year, which is uh, by Unpust, which is uh, a national awards for the best books um, effectively produced by Irish writers and Irish authors. So there's a there's a level of humility coming through in all of your work. Um, where, where does this natural humility come through? Come through? And also the, the comedian aspect uh, I can hear that there's there's an overlap in many areas between funny and illustration. Where's all this coming from? I think the overlap, like, yeah, like uh, whatever I do, there has to be kind of something funny involved in my illustration. I think that's always been a thing. But um, I don't know where it comes from. I think it's, um, I think it's probably a coping thing because uh, mm. I always try to cope in school by being funny. So I think that kind yeah. of, I think that's where that kind of side comes from. And yeah. Then also, I think the, the then the illustration is like kind of it's soothing for me. So when I put the two together, they're kind of like it's like the ultimate like um relaxation time. I think and it's just kind yeah. of yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, can we talk about your your process a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're writing comedy at the moment. Does the comedy feed the illustration, or does the illustration feed the comedy, or do the two go hand in hand, or are they separate? It really depends, um, to be honest with you. It could be just something that happens in my life that is funny and I can be like, right, I can definitely come up with like, you know, a whole 10-minute spot just on this thing alone like, because it's so ridiculous or else um, I could be thinking of something for a specific day. Like it could be Paddy's Day. Like like um, I, I done this illustration a couple of years ago. It was like a carousel illustration on um, Instagram yeah. and it was like basically like a snake and you just kind of scroll to the end. And when you get to the end, you see the snake kind of like looking and it's like literally St. Paddy's hand there. And he's just like, uh, but he's like this, with his two fingers up and he's like, off. so like you have to scroll to the end. So I kind of, I don't know where it comes from. I kind of just think about, well, where is it going to go? Where is it going to live? What's, mm. you know, what are people going to, like, how are people going to interact with it? Because I like people to interact yeah. with my stuff as well, because I like it to be fun like that. Because mm. uh, I, I enjoyed stuff like that growing up. Like, so I liked, um, you know, like where's Wally? And I loved all those books where you yeah. were interacting when they're trying to find something or do something. So 
I kind of like to do that in my own work as well. But is there, is there, do you have the idea, is it fully formed in your mind when oh. you sit down or walk me through that no. explorative stage? Oh, okay. No, it's more like, it's so. Give me an example as well, if you can, because. Okay, okay. so I could, I could literally be, I could literally be sitting there watching TV and I'm not working at all. And I'll literally, I'll be sitting there beside Carol, who's my partner. And I'll literally go, oh, and he's like, what? And I was like, I have to go. And I'll literally go and I'll write, I'll have this idea and I'll write it down and I'll. I'll come up with something. Uh-huh. I could be just sitting here. Like yesterday, I, I can't really tell you this now because I don't want it in the, the podcast because it's actually a very, very fresh idea, which I think is good. But okay. I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. And I'll record myself the idea, either record it so I'm saying it or else I'll write it down. But I think when I record it, I, I see it on my phone so I'm more inclined to actually work on that idea rather than yeah. I write it in a notebook. But it could be I just, I'm just sitting there. like um, But then also... It could be inspired by certain things. Like, like so your one Nikita was inspired of, of the area I'm from, the people I know, family, friends. So that was kind of, you know, all based around like people I knew and, and what mm. life was like in Kulak. So that was kind of, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, I'm trying to think now. Um, but sometimes it just kind of, it, it will just kind of pop into my head and I'll have to stop whatever I'm doing. It doesn't matter mm. if I'm having a lunch with you, uh, I'm gone. Because so- if I, yeah. It's like a Absolutely. fire kind of, or like a spark where you're like, oh, I have to work on that straight away. But the experimental piece of you might start down to write it or you might start to draw it. Um, what does that look like in terms of your your creative process? Does it does it happen? I suppose that how long is a piece of string? Um, would it typically happen where you have an idea and you sketch it out? Like, Walk me through what actual behaviors you're doing to, to sort of so, flesh out. I'd get the idea in my head. Mm. and then I'd, I'd get like either my tablet and I, you know or I'd work on my laptop and I'd start kind of doing like a rough sketch of like what yeah. I'm working on if it's for social media like obviously I'll work it up into that size like that kind of thing mm. make sure everything's set ready to go and I'll just spend like a couple of like you know I'll spend a couple of hours like drawing something yeah. and that doesn't mean that it's the finished piece it could be just like roughly what I want it to look like and yeah. then I started. But then sometimes uh, if I'm really excited about something, I will just jump straight in right away and do the finished piece because sometimes yeah. I can actually see it like like really clearly in my head. And I'm like, okay. And it's like I'm almost mm. copying the image from my head onto the paper then. So yeah. um, that's cool when that happens. It doesn't happen all the time, but when it's a really strong idea, I find it works better. It sounds like the, the musical process of songwriting. Sounds very similar. And I know your partner, Carl, we've actually met many times over the years, um, which is just pure coincidence, folks. This yeah, is what it's exactly. like living in Ireland. Um, Carl emailed me one day and I'm like, are you the same, Carl? Oh, my God, I didn't know you guys were together. That's amazing. Um, you know, Carl probably, you know, still writes. Uh, I see there's a guitar in the background there as well. So there's probably a little bit of a, a similar process between the way Carl approaches things and the way you approach things. So is there a crossover between music and how has Carl influenced you in your process? I I actually think Feel free that to say is, none. I, 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 well I, funny that you say because right I actually think that um I actually think that the music helped me to to write. I think that's where I really for like I didn't really start writing loads and loads of stories when I was younger. That kind of came I'd say, I, I did write a few stories, but the most, the thing that I was writing the most was lyrics and music, because I used to play music as well, and uh, yeah. I, I, I used to play guitar, I can still play, and uh, Carl, I, I freaked Carl out actually there, 
about a year or two ago, I said to him, I said, uh, I hadn't played in 14 years, hadn't picked up a guitar. And I was like, oh, I can tune that by ear. And he was like, what? Because he was using a tuner. And I was like, yeah. And uh, I took up the guitar and I tuned it nearly perfectly after 14 years. And he was like, what the hell? Because that was at my, like when I was very young, music was my life. I wanted to be a rock star. That's all I wanted to be. So that's kind of what, yeah. But I think it really helped me to write and be creative in that way as well, because I had Mm. no interest really in writing. And I think that kind of led me into writing stories then. And uh, yeah, also my grand uncle as well was very supportive. My grand uncle, he was like, geez, he must be pushing 90 now. And yeah. he, he literally wrote all these crazy stories. Like he he, he writes and uh, he, he works on poems and stuff like that as well. But he wrote these crazy stories of like me and him, like when I was a kid and like we, we go on these adventures together as all like talking animals and all. So I think there's that part of it as well. So I was around creative people, I think, as well, like who kind of seen that, that that's what I was interested in and supported that because uh, I don't think I was very great at anything else, to be honest with you. Yeah. Not good at maths. It's funny, like, you know, you mentioned schooling and you mentioned Colossus the Dulic there, which is um, on the north side of Dublin. It's uh, it's an art college for, for people um, to go and, believe it or not, become artists and become illustrators and graphic designers and stuff. Um when you were in school, you, you said you weren't very um, academically strong. It's probably, I don't mm-hmm. know how you phrase it that way. And then you get into Colossus to Dulic. But what you're doing now at the moment is quite close to entrepreneurialism. So you're doing an awful lot of stuff. You've got an, an awful lot of um, business ideas. Your store up there um, is has got some wonderful stuff up there. I'll throw a link to that one in, in the show notes, folks. How do you feel um, even Colossus to Dulic? sort of supported you in the journey to to become where you're at now like and what would you like to be able to do and go back and change and, and fix it if there was problems there that you could see in class Dulic. yeah um also i i, I loved it there and it, even still now i keep in touch with yeah. some of the lecturers like and they're still supportive uh, same as the it's id brilliant. um i have yeah. i have things that i'd fix in, in both courses though i think in my degree and my diploma i think that um without getting anyone in trouble I'm just going no, to be no, very I'm definitely not coming from that angle I'm just like... good at their job. I think some people are very good at their job and they want to teach and they they you know they want to show you the way but they also want you to find your own way and then mm. I think there's just people who are just lazy who just want to get paid and there are some yeah. people who I I really learned a lot from and there was others who I learned nothing from and nothing I from. I taught myself without giving any names like and being vague about it so i think i think they could deal with a a rejig of some of the lectures in 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 both dit and colossia do like i redo because um, probably everywhere i think everywhere i think it's so like what reminded me of colossia like in colossia do like some of the classes that we done really reminded me of secondary school and that's okay if you're doing like um a portfolio course or something like that so you want to try a bit of everything but for some of the classes that we had for a uh, graphic design in, in DIT, uh, sorry, in Clash of like, just didn't make sense to me. Um, yeah. I, I changed it like there now. Like, um, there was a class where we, we were drawing acorns. Did, did you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like that, I think maybe could potentially be up, updated now because, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a different world, that kind of thing. I think they're the main things. I think it's the same with most colleges, yeah. though. Like, it's the same at most places. And I'm hearing that internationally as well. Like, so, but in terms of, you're um you're very popular on instagram 
you you learned how to market yourself you've learned how to launch a business you know using the web to to launch your business we don't have a physical store learning about how to set up shipping all of these different things that are required to be successful so it's very like you're a self-starter um we we've learned that like you know the death of your mom probably sort of lit a fire and you know led you to have more confidence and so forth but in terms of those skills where did you learn them was there something else or did you learn on the job um what skills specifically now like the, the, the marketing like and the sales and setting um, the, the website up you they're know all what? things it, it does kind of i think everything it just kind of happened naturally in a way like because there was no kind of secret to it like so when mm. i was in dit I left college then after like uh, I graduated and then everyone was getting kind of like, you know, graphic design uh, internships or advertising in- internships. And yeah. I was getting no internships because I wanted to be an illustrator and I was so headstrong on it. And like, oh, I could see my Nana, like she was squirming going, would you not get a job now, a real job? Like she was sweating, like thinking like, what are you doing with your life? Like kind of thing. And then before I even graduated, I got my first two book deal. So that kind of gave me the confidence wow. to continue on that. But with posting online, um, it was really just like for fun. It was really just for fun. And I think I got like so addicted to like people sharing my stuff and it going viral. Like it really, um, it really was like a drug in a way and a really big distraction after my mom. So I think I really got yeah. like, um, so like I was like the way TikTokers are today where they're posting four videos a day and getting the content out. And while it was great at the time for like, you know, that kickstart, um, it was mm. very draining as well, though, because you, you're consistent. You have to you have to keep posting all the time to keep your audience yeah. like, interested and this kind of thing. And it's so funny because I see that in other people who I'd follow now and whether it's illustrators or like people doing different things. I can see that the quality of the work that they do isn't good because they're actually just rushing to get it online, to get the likes and to get the, the shares so they yeah. can get the follow and it's interesting because um, I look back on some of my stuff now and go, oh, Jesus, I, I wish that I could, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. So I don't think I knew really what I was doing. I was just doing yeah. it to distract myself and I kind of fell into it. But it really helped me with my skills now with like marketing, whether it's like the shop or like my book and kind of just posting about certain things. Yeah. Like it kind of, it kind of uh, gave me confidence, more confidence, I think, to do that, which was a great thing, I think. But geez, yeah. you wouldn't catch me posting on TikTok four times a day. I could not be yeah. asking on that. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't care if I've got two million followers. Like, it's just, I, I, I'd rather spend my time being creative, I think. You definitely have, you have a huge following. Okay. So it's almost like you built the following and then you built the entrepreneurialism off the back of it. Um, How did you learn this? Like, I, obviously you're, you're very charismatic. Okay. People can hear that. Like, you know, you've, you're able to speak, you're able to talk, but it seems like you know who you are. Okay, this, this, and I don't know if it's a north side thing. I'm going to say the north side thing because I'm on the north side. And, you know, it seems like you, you know who you are. You're not going to um, kind of pander to anyone else. You, you've got your own mission and you're you're living by this purpose. Um, where does that come from in terms of being so, so true to yourself? Uh, and we want to talk a little bit more around uh, the discovery of, of your autism in a minute Aoife we'll, we'll cut this little bit out me and my little segue but how where does this come from this this sort of se- sense of uh you know identity you know who you are you know what you are it's it's funny because 
for a long time I, I really didn't so it's kind of yeah. like it's been kind of a um like a journey almost to kind of figure out who I am like but um it's kind of a funny one I wouldn't have said now that I have a full kind of idea maybe it's just the way that I the way I talk or something to people that they have that impression Mm. of me but um I actually would um be the opposite I think like where like I'm still kind of I'm still kind of finding out who I am maybe that's more on a personal level but illustration wise and stuff I've definitely figured out my style and and I've you know that kind of stuff and um, it's funny because I wear all black most of the time. I'm like, I'm still yeah. a goth. I'm still the way I was when I was 15. Um, but my work is so colourful. So it's yeah. kind of like, I know what I want in my work. But uh, and that, I think I, I like working with two to three colours as well. Like that's kind of like, I like the way things pop. So it's kind yeah. of, I have that kind of part figured out. But like. I guess that's kind of what I'm referring to. Like the, you I can think, see there's uh, an arc. I think the personal comes in with that though as well. Because I think when you're doing well personally. And you have your shit together personally, everything else kind of falls into place in a way as well. And I feel like that's how um Frankie's world kind of worked out. Like yeah. I never worked on a graphic novel before in my life. That was so scary. Like, but uh, I think it worked well because at by that stage, I kind of felt like no, I'm confident in myself now, like I know who I am and this kind of thing. So it's funny how that can affect your creative process as well in your work. Yeah. The, your latest book at the moment is called Finding Your Voice. Mm. Um Talk to me a little bit more around the origins of this. So finding your voice, is, I find my voice is the sequel to Frankie's World, which is a graphic novel based on um, an 11 year old girl who feels a bit different to everyone else in our class, convinced that she's an alien and um, doesn't know why. And basically goes on a, a mission to, to try and find her dad because she thinks that he could be an alien too and that he might have the answers. So finding my voice is kind of... Um, the sequel where she's starting secondary school and um all this kind of came from um because a couple of years ago I'm, I'm 30 I'm going 32 now in April and when I was 27 I found out that I have ASD so it's like autism spectrum disorder mm. and that was I'd like to say it was a shock because well it was a shock because I'd never thought about it before because in my head I just thought autism was like oh that's young boys and you know they behave this way or you know that kind of way I almost have an image in my head about what autism was but I didn't know fully what it was yeah so um that was kind of uh, interesting because I always felt like there was something but I just never knew what it was because obviously how could I like you know I'm not a scientist or like a doctor so I was never able to kind of pinpoint and it was only for a friend said it to me and uh he's like you know you're kind of like me and I was like yeah we are really like are we and he's like I'm autistic and he goes, I think you are too. And I literally turned around and I was like, F- off, I'm not autistic. I know by now I'm a 27-year-old woman. What are you talking about? And yeah, lo and behold, I was. How did um, you go through that? What walk me through that process? Like, you know, from was, school, was, was, you having a coffee to... Well, he had said it to me initially and I wasn't thinking too much about it because I, at that point I still knew nothing about autism. And he goes, you should look into it. So I did. I looked into it and I watched a, a documentary on Channel 4. It was called uh, something like, uh, So You Think You're Autistic. And I actually met the, I met the two presenters of that show at a conference a couple of years later then. So that was kind of cool. But they had this documentary about, like, it was women on the spectrum. And mm. then there was um, th- there was other like, YouTube videos I watched where it was, like, um, autistic YouTubers where they were, like, going through, like, you know, well, this is what it was like for me in school and blah, 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 blah. And it just kind of got to the stage where I was like, oh my God, I'm autistic. Like I knew, I knew before I went in to get my assessment, I was like, there's no way that I'm not because 
I literally ticked every single box so much so that uh even even still to this day like like years later I think it's like five years now later I'm still discovering stuff about myself I I gave a, a panel talk there last year and uh, I think it was it was a uh, NCI and DCU and they were promoting this um this uh, documentary that was uh, made in Iceland. I'll get the name of uh, the documentary for you now. Mm-hmm. I'll send it to you. But it's basically, it was about all autistic women in Iceland. And there was a mother talking about her daughter. And she was talking about like how her daughter kept going to the toilet when she was in primary school. She kept going into the bathroom all the time. She kept needing to go to the bathroom all the time. And I was like, oh. And uh, then she was like, and we had to take her to hospital because we didn't actually know. We thought there was something wrong with her kidney mm. or bladder. And I was like, uh oh. And uh, then she was like, it was actually just so she could get her own space. So I used to do the exact same thing. I actually had to go to Temple Street Hospital to get like down there checked because I was going to the bathroom so much. But I didn't know why I was doing that, but I was going to get away from the noise. And it's only kind of now that I can kind of go, ah, that's kind of what. So sometimes it's other people's experience and them sharing and being so open that kind of helps you to understand yourself better too, especially with this stuff because they're so little known about it i think for women on the spectrum yeah but, um, it's really interesting though because it kind of it, it was such a relief to find out and made so much sense um to find out because it just made sense of everything i do in my life and kind of yeah for things not to be hard on myself but also equally that it's okay to have a fridge full of um those uh, pepperoni pizzas like it's okay to have that like you know so it kind of like you know it's okay to play pokemon it's okay to like all these things that i do that i was like geez i'm not telling anyone i do any of these things so it kind of helped me to be myself and yeah, yeah, I don't now, now i don't give a fuck like i don't care what people think because i just Absolutely. am who i am and i think if i hadn't got that diagnosis and really kind of figured that out i think that um I, yeah, I, I think that I, I don't know if I'd be here because I think a lot of people, um, it's hard being autistic and talking to yeah. people because some people are nice, but then some people look at you like you have two heads and you're after saying something wrong and all. So you do kind of go in on yourself as well sometimes. So mm. it's good to know that now. Yeah. And uh, to understand myself. It's like I have a toolkit now, like that's specifically for me that I can understand mm. myself where I didn't have that before. So that's the yeah. easiest way to explain it, I think. And you've done an awful lot of work. You're speaking about um, your diagnosis. I know when we did that talk together, um, it was a really uh, kind of moving part where you were talking about what this looked like and what it felt like. And you were very transparent. Is that something that's really important to you to kind of shine a light on, um, you know, getting diagnosed? Absolutely. And uh, I get messages every day from people. People are now, people are don't going, I think I am, I want to look into it. And I think it is important for everybody, like if they're struggling with their mental health to kind of like, and I think it's so funny. I've talked to so many people and I find this really interesting. And I was the same as well. Like oh, when I go to my doctor, I would have been like uh, struggling with depression and she would have been mm-hmm. like, you know, now we're going to put you on antidepressants. And I was like, no, 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 no. And I didn't take them because I knew deep down that it was, there was something else alongside of that. There was something causing my depression that like just needed to be mm-hmm. seen like I, I just knew I had a feeling and you'd be surprised how many people say that to me now who would say that go like they're, they're kind of a bit like oh I don't know if that's 100% what it is kind of thing yeah um, but I think it's very important to know and understand because it can really help you in your life just just even for understanding yourself because a lot of people are very hard on themselves as well like in certain situations and if they can't like 
my family would have been very hard on me now, like to, to be like, you know, you have to do this, you have to achieve this, you have to. And that puts so much pressure on me. And I think mm-hmm. like, you know, we all have our own limits. Do you know what I mean? I think it's good to know what they are. So you're not kind of, it's all right to push it past the limit, but like yeah. every now and again, like, you know, you don't want to destroy yourself. And I find that's what happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, they're so used to kind of conforming to a society that's like almost not made for them. So they're just exhausted. So it's, it's yeah, I think it's very important that if yeah. you do, that you're neurodivergent in any way to look into it. And because it, it, it really is like finding out was a relief for me, but it was the counseling after that really, really helped. Transformative. Me. Yeah, very transformative, I have to say. I don't rec- recognize myself now from five years ago. And wow. if you even have you ever have you seen pictures of me five years ago? No, no. Yeah, I I had a, probably about three, four stone on me five years ago. I'm a completely. Really? Oh, look. Let me see if I can find a picture. There's a gas picture of me online. Now, now I'm giving me secrets away, but there's a gas picture of me online, and I love whipping it up because uh, I look like someone's forty year old ma, and I'm only twenty three. <laughs> And every time I show anyone the picture, they're always like, that's you. I'm like, yeah. But I was, I was wow. really impressed. So it really shows. Um, let me see if I can find it now. Obviously, I can't share the screen, but I'll find it yeah. and I'll send it to you after. But Very good. It's so, yeah. So I can see a huge difference um, in myself physically, physically. and mentally. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic, Aoife. Look, we're coming towards the end of the episode. Um, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? I know I'm going to put a link to your Instagram anyway, because it's it's beautiful to to drop in and, and see what you're up to. I, I check in once a week to see where you're at. But what other platforms are you on? Um, I'm on Twitter as well. Um, yeah. I am on TikTok. I do want to start posting more, but not four times four times a day. <laughs> probably a few once a week. Um, I'm, I'm going to be posting up, uh, doing up my house on there. So I'd like oh, just that stuff. So, but uh, Instagram, um, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Talk about probably the best. I, I am on LinkedIn, but uh, I'm very bad at it. Yeah, I'm very bad. At it. I have to use it more. I'm okay, very well. we'll throw throw all those links into the show notes, and we'll put a link to your store as well for people to go and check out all your work. Um, and also best of luck with the book. It's coming out in April. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Deadly. Well, I'm going to be first in line to get a copy of that. It's going to sit proudly on my on my shelf here. So thanks so much for your time, Aoife. Well, thanks, Jerry. There you go, folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you enjoyed it and want to listen to more, why not visit thisishcd.com where you can learn more about what we're up to and also explore our courses whilst you're there. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for listening.